Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 758. This is the first part of a two-part show with Pete Stout. The other mantras really like to share with, with listeners is, is take the long view. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Pete Stout. Hey, Pete, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am, Mark. All right, great to have you here. Pete Stout is the editor-in-chief and managing partner of Triple Zero Magazine. It's a quarterly journal dedicated to the Porsche mark, as my listeners know, my favorite mark. He teamed up with co-founder Alex Pilevsky and creative director Justin Page to create Triple Zero, which is a reference to Porsche's three-digit model number, Numerology. To call this a magazine is quite a stretch because this thing's huge. It's a 250-plus page, perfect-bound publication that takes a deep dive with only 3 to 7% advertising and will no doubt be a keeper for any reader or subscriber. And I'm a subscriber, by the way. This thing is fantastic. Pete spent 14 years as editor of the Porsche publication Excellence, another magazine I've subscribed to over the years, and then three-plus years as editor of the Porsche Club of America's magazine, Porsche Panorama. I get that one, too. You hear a little trend going on with my Porsche fantasy here. And prior to that, he was the editor at Ross Periodicals and a freelance writer. So, Pete, I have told our listeners just a little bit about your past. Take a moment, share a little bit more about your new business venture here and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, thank you, Mark. The new venture is called Triple Zero. Uh, you say it, Triple Zero. It's it's uh, represented by three numerals, much like the model numbers of the cars. It's definitely a deep dive, not only in terms of content, but for me as well. It's um, after 18 years doing Porsche magazines in a more conventional sense, we decided to try something that's a bit of a reach. It's it's a as you noted, it's 260 pages with very few ads instead of the usual somewhere between 50 and 70% advertising. We're targeting 5 to 7%. And so, of course, the reader then pays the freight. This is not on the newsstand. It's We don't plan on doing overages or back issues. It's, it's a very different kind of product. And part of that is simply because of the cost of, of producing the piece. It's um, We're hiring really all the best contributors that we can find, just wonderful writers and photographers. We're doing serious research. I've been to Germany three times in less than a year, spending a week in the archives, which I've never been able to do. So it's a different kind of thing, and we end up returning with a three-pound magazine on 80-pound paper, and people smell it, and they say, this thing, and the funniest thing, Mark, is people cradle it when they walk around with it. So it's a, <laughs> yeah. we didn't expect that. Some people are not opening them, we're finding. They're, they're keeping them in the wrapper, which pains me a little bit. It's a bit like cars that are never driven. Right. I like rock chips. I, I, I don't prefer rock chips, but I like them as a sign of a car being used. So triple zero is, 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 is really... The goal here was to create a magazine that really reflected the subject of Porsche after studying Porsche for 20 years now. Right. Well, I'll tell our listeners, I am a designer by business. I was a designer for many, many years, so I understand and appreciate great design. Many of your contributors, photographers, writers, have been guests here on Cars, yeah. You have the best of the best, and of course, you're one of the best out there as well, Pete. This publication is so, so cool. When you get it in the mail... It comes in a box, basically. I mean, yes. you feel like you just got a gift. And when you open it up, yeah, it's almost 
a ceremonial experience to crack open that first page and, and you smell the ink that comes off. I mean, I love what you're doing. You're a bit of a disruptor in the industry, I think, with what you're doing. But I, I'll tell you, you know, when I saw what you were doing, and it's an expensive subscription. It costs a few hundred dollars to subscribe, and you kind of roll your eyes and go, hmm, okay, is this really going to be worth it? I actually, I've been getting like 40 car magazines over the years. I, I'm one of those old wow. guys that gets, and I actually canceled a bunch to offset what I was going to send to you because I just realized a lot of these, I just wasn't enjoying them as much anymore. Money well spent. Oh, thank you. It's absolutely fantastic. And we're going to learn a lot more now that I've given you my big plug, but it really comes from the heart because I really, really love thank what you. you're doing. It's just so much fun. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is a, a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Pete, take the wheel. There's two for me. One is, and they're really related, Mark. Uh, one is be professional, and the other is take the long view. And they really go together for me. And for me, be professional, he, I don't think he ever said it, but he embodied it. And it was a guy by the name of Bob Carlson. Uh, he was a PR head for Porsche, Cars North America. Al Holbert had hired him. Another human being from everything I I wish I'd gotten to meet him before he died, but from everything I've been able to assemble and figure out about Al, he seemed like a remarkable individual. And Bob Carlson was cut from that cloth as well. Uh, we lost him a few years ago to cancer. But Bob Carlson, when I was first hired, you know, I was I was young. I think the first time I rode with him was in '95 Porsche Parade in in Portland. I was there. You know, yeah, and that was the first time I met Bob. And then two years later, I went to the Boxster press launch, and here he came, and he said. Write anything you want, just be sure you can back it up. And I thought, wow, this is an interesting guy. I've been trained to think that the PR guy is the enemy. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, write anything you want. But there's a caveat. And the caveat was, just make sure you can back it up. And what he was really saying was, be professional. Mm -hmm. And that single sentence ended up being a huge guiding light for me as, as, as I was young in my career. And True to form, I would criticize Porsche at times. It's an incredible company, but it's run by humans. It's made of humans, and right. all of us are fallible. And none of these are Chevy Cavaliers or Citations. These are incredible cars. Right. But if all you're criticizing is Porsche, if all you study is Porsche, if that's your primary focus, you're going to note the highs and the lows. That That's your job. That's what you do. Right. And whenever I did criticize, it never negatively affected my relationship with Porsche or Bob. So he was professional. Right. Yeah. And so he really embodied that. And for me, it's a simple mantra. It's two words, be professional. And that goes with take the long view. He was the guy that walked his talk for sure. So uh, yeah, I remember that uh, that event well, because I just moved up here to the Northwest. So I just had to drive a couple hours south to Portland to the uh, to the big event down there. And uh, it was one of the, I'd been to a couple of parades before, but I hadn't been to one in a long time. So uh, we probably crossed paths without even knowing it. You know, and the other side to that, the other mantras really like to share with, with listeners is, is take the long view. I'm not sure who impressed that upon me. Uh, whether it was parents or, or coworkers or other mentors, I've got a lot of them in my life. But the the longest view you can take is, is I think, always important. It's when we face a conflict or or just a curve, just a challenge. It's not so important how you go into it. It's really important how you come out of it. <laughs> I like that metaphor. Very nice. You know, take the longest view you can. And I think being professional works there. You yeah. know, if 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 you put the right foot in front of the other foot. And you and you step forward well. That's never going to hurt you in the long run. It might hurt you in the short or midterm, but the long view is the one that matters. Absolutely, very well said. 
Well, let's go back in time. I know you're a car guy, just a little bit, right? And just so, a bit. just a bit, yeah. Say that tongue in cheek here. Let's go way back and uh, have you share a story that instigated your passion for cars. That pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were a car guy. I think it happened early on. First, I started drawing trucks. I'm really a, I'm really a, um, a transportation junkie, almost more than a car guy. And then I'm definitely more of a car guy than a Porsche guy. Everybody thinks always oh, this Porsche guy, but I love all cars. My father got me a subscription to Carcraft magazine when I was a very young boy, mm-hmm. probably five or less. I don't remember too much about it other than all the ads and all the hot rodding parts for American cars. And I think that was the hot rod magazine that had women in it. And I remember thinking, what are all these women doing in here? Like, what's going on <laughs> with this? Like, they're in the way. I can't see yeah, the cars. Get off the fender. Yeah, exactly. Like, I want to look at the, I want to look at that Malibu or that Chevelle or whatever it is that we're looking at. And, you know, I was, a, I was a, I was just so young. And then I got a hold of Car and Driver. And that changed my world, particularly a section in it called the specialty file. And it was my first taste of sort of exotica from Europe and from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time I was very little, probably three or four, I could name every car. My mother would have the exact age that happened, but I could name cars by model and um, by model and, and, and make at a very, very, very young age. And she, her, her daily driver was a Carmen Ghia convertible, a 63 Carmen Ghia convertible. Cool, cool. That my father had bought in Europe. He bought it new. And so I was obsessed with cars as a little boy, but car and driver really changed everything because now all of a sudden it wasn't just the things I was seeing around El Cerrito Berkeley, which does have a rich car culture. People don't recognize how rich. But I have to say that car and driver, the specialty file, Hartka BMWs and Dynan Turbo M6 and, and the Buick GNX and some of these things that started popping up in some of these smaller articles in car and driver, the Cosworth Sierra and, and the 288 GTO, which was a full feature. You know, They had the 84 Testarossa and they had a 288 GTO and they had those articles back to back and the Testarossa, <laughs> even as a boy, those strikes weren't for me, yeah. but the 288 GTO was fantastic. This stuff really fueled my passion. Back then, I really wasn't a Porsche guy at all. I was really into anything that was just that little bit trick. Very cool. Yeah. I think for a lot of us, those car magazines back in the day, I used to get them from my next door neighbor. He would give them to me after he was done reading. Mr. Swanser, he was an FBI agent. He was a bachelor. Uh, he had a uh, bought a new 450SL the first year they came out in the, the mid-70s there, 74, I think it was. And he let me detail it for him. And uh, yeah, cool. but he would give me his old car magazines. Very cool. Well, Pete, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a huge challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. And of course, this part of our talk is more about what that situation taught you and what you learned. So help us by taking us to that painful time and then kind of walk us through how that lesson helped you gain even more momentum in your career, your business. Well, you know, Mark, I I think it's, it's a case of everything in life, there are seasons. And I got to about 10 or 12 years at excellence, somewhere in there. I think I reevaluated it every four years, every four years. I mean, the first couple of years at excellence, I thought this is the best thing ever. And then I watched all of my friends get hired in dot coms and thought, man, I got to get off this dying horse that's print media. I should really be leaving. And as I was gaining courage to do so, all my friends got pink slips and the dot com bust came. And I thought, maybe this is not such a bad place to be. Mm -hmm. But by about 10 or 12 years, I thought, okay, I've learned about the maximum that I can learn within this company. The only place to go up from here is the owner's seat and the owner is the owner. So there's really nowhere to go from here. I can keep learning to eke away at quality within my space, but that's about it. And I looked at a, a fairly high-profile job 
and ended up interviewing. It's in, in our world, in our in our car world, interviewed for that and ended up, I guess I was told, made it to the three finalists and then didn't get that job. Uh, they chose someone else. I actually think it was a good choice on their part or certainly an understandable one. It was they knew that individual very well, and I think that was a—I think it was a solid choice. Mm-hmm. But I had to deal with my own my own disappointment. Right. Uh, it would have been quite a leap. And about then, Prescott Kelly came along from Porsche Club of America. We were we were talking about something else, and he said, "Hey, they're still looking for someone for Betty Jo's seat, Betty Jo Turner's seat at Panorama." Mm-hmm. Now she's incredible to me because she's. She was the editor-in-chief of Panorama for 43 years. I know. I, I've known her for a long time. It was incredible how long she was there. I, as a fellow editor, I struggle to think of any editor in any genre that can match that run of right. 43 years. And right. so – but when Prescott said, do you want me to put your name in the hat? I thought, wow, Club Magazine, I've been international newsstand with excellence. This is not the right progression of where I want to go. This other job was very would have been quite high profile, which isn't necessarily my thing, but it was it would have been a big leap. And it was a bitter disappointment to to not make that um, leap. And so I said kind of with resignation, sure, go ahead and put my name in the hat. But I wasn't really that interested. Then I started to kind of look at it and there's there was a contrarian logic to it. The circulation was double what I had at excellence. The newsstand problem, which was excellence sold very well in the newsstand, but the newsstand was dying. There was no way – as a percentage of sell-through, excellence was a star. But the, there's, there was no arguing the newsstand was dying. There was only one newsstand in all of Marin County where you could still buy excellence and only a few points of sale in San Francisco. So Panorama solved that problem. No more newsstand and no more newsstand waste. You weren't throwing away two or three magazines for every two or three you sold, right. if, you, if you're lucky. And then the club had millions in, in reserve, and, and they were hungry for change. Mm-hmm. So I looked at that, and I thought, I'm hungry for change. They're hungry for change. There's this opportunity. And lo and behold, we got together and, and went through a series of interviews, and it worked. It was a fit. In, in 2012, it looked like a real fit. So I took the leap, and I think the real challenge that year and the real lessons learned was support network is everything. And it was Rebecca, my wife, who said, take this leap. I've got this. I've, yeah. got, I've got our home front. I've got us. You know, I've got our young daughter. Run. Go run after this. Yeah. And they were long days, Mark. The days were kind of nutty. Some people said redesign the mag. They wanted to redesign the magazine and resize it. And they asked me to look at that and return a study. And that made me the boogeyman because I was the guy who changed the size. Yeah, that little size they had for so many years, the supposed fit in the glove box size, which I never quite understood what matter did that have anyway. But, you know, these things live on and they become real and set in stone. I remember a lot of people kind of lashing out at you back then going, who is this guy thinking he can do this? Well, you know, and I came in, I I actually wasn't my decision. I made the study and ultimately came to a few points of why it was justified to change it. And my recommendation was to change it, but really that was the executive council's choice. But my viewpoint was the cover didn't get so much bigger or better. If you look at the cover, I I laid them all out and took photos of, of Panorama, uh, and then a conventional sized U.S. magazine, and then a conventional, slightly larger sized European magazine. And when you, I put, I guess it was uh, six magazines down. No, nine. Three with a cover only. Uh, three with open to a nice opening spread, and then three to the end of a article on a left hand page with an ad on the right. And I'm an editor, so I'm not an advertising type, but. As I looked at these, I thought, okay, the cover doesn't get much better. It's not so much bigger. But boy, when you open it, now the size differential doubles. Huge difference. That, that, that yeah. percentage increase doubles. Right. And so the opener is much stronger. But 
what I was really looking at with that closing page was how much text, how much photo can I get on this panorama page as it exists versus versus a um, a more conventional magazine. And it was a significant amount more text and photo. But then I looked across and I said, boy, as an advertiser, and again, I'm an editor, not an ad salesperson, and we're not selling a lot of ads in triple zero nor allowing them. But I looked at that and for the club's sake and for its sponsor's sake and for the businesses involved's sake, I looked at that page and I thought, you know, if I'm buying a full page ad, I don't want a junior paged, a junior page size. Right. And more than that, they can't do a lot with that real estate. And finally, I then have to hire an agency or or do it myself. I have to resize my ad only for this magazine. Right. And so I made my recommendation based on all of that. We changed the size, but the craziest part of the story probably was Right after I was hired, I, was, I flew down to see Jeff Swart, who's been a huge mentor for me professionally. And we went to go see Paul Fanner of Racer Magazine. Great guy, you know, very knowledgeable. And he said, oh, you know, resize right away. And I'm thinking, it's October. We've got to resize for January. I don't want to do this. I'm not one to do things quickly. I like to see and think through. It's that take the long view. And he's like, this can be done. And I thought, okay, we can do it. Well, we did something worse. We resized it in July of 2013. And... The reason for that was the club wanted to realize savings on the print contract. And also, we wanted to make a change. I knew that if we waited a year and two months, it was too long for the change. But I didn't want to rush it into January. And in the end, what made it possible was a guy that no one had heard of, Alan Lane, the production manager of 37 years when I arrived. First, he lost Betty Joe and got saddled with this weirdo from California. <laughs> and then he lost his print support network. But right. Alan made both leaps beautifully. And then Richard Barron, uh, the designer on uh, Panorama, I didn't want to rush to choose a designer. We had a proper contest and a proper bidding process. And the creative of Richard was just wonderful. Yeah, he does a great job. And he's wonderful to work with. So I looked at that and... It was that group plus the support of, of Rebecca that made the long nights and all these things possible. And we switched, and I expected if we got – if we did it really, really right, we would get one angry letter for every five happy ones. My gut was that people were ready for the change. They mm-hmm. were the traditionalists, and they would be really angry. So if we did it well, we would get one angry traditionalist for every five club members who were thankful and happy with the new design, bigger photos. And if we did it really, really right – we would get one out of 10. We would get one angry for every 10 happy. In the end, uh, we ended up with, I think it was close to 300 letters. Richard Barron said in all the years he worked at Road and Track, they had never had 300 letters for any reason. Wow. And look at, and look at the circulation difference. Yeah, yeah. It tells you something about Porsche people, how oh, yeah. dedicated they are. Mm-hmm. And six, I, don't, I think it was 285 letters and six of them were angry. <laughs> yeah. So I look at that and I say, that's a team. That's, that's the help of Jeff Swart who shot that first cover for us, the, the gamooned in front of the, the oh, shop door. Yeah, That's Richard Barron, Publishers Press. We switched printers, and they were wonderful to work with. Alan Lane made sure we got through. We did two issues in one month to pull that off. It was a tricky month. Yeah, But what I learned in all that was don't be afraid to take a different path. Trust your gut a bit. Be, you know, Research, but trust your yeah. gut. Yeah. And make sure you've teamed with the right partners. Make sure you've teamed with a good support network. And all of those were there. 
most definitely. Well, one of those uh, kind letters was mine, so uh, <laughs> I really liked what you guys did, what you what you continued to do, or what they continued to do. Now that you're on to your new thing, but uh, definitely great, great job. Well, how about an aha moment? Maybe this triple uh, zero is your aha moment, but everybody has these big aha moments in their careers. What was yours? Well, someone came along with triple zero before triple zero was even a triple zero before it even had a name or much really uh someone came along someone i respect in our in our industry uh, i'll leave him nameless but he knows who he is and i'll be forever thankful to him and he came along at a at a at a party at a gala and said you know he'd always been very friendly always very nice was always saying if i can ever do anything let me know and this is a powerful individual a, a neat guy and i thought well that's very nice of him very polite and i didn't think too much about it. And then that night, he's, as we parted, he uh, shook my hand, kept my hand and said, I'll be your bank. And I thought, well, you know, what does that mean? What does that mean? And, yeah. And I said, well, you know, thank you. And, and, and moved moved along. And and um, so I was with me. And he said, what does that mean? And I said, I don't know what that means. So I called a mutual friend. And he said, I think this is what that means. And you should call him. So I called. And, and this is not a guy that has a lot of time on his hands. He's probably in demand all the time. And it was a privilege to even speak with him. And I said, well, I, he, he says, I think I should listen. And I said, well, I think I should listen. And we kind of fought over who should listen for a while. <laughs> and yeah. uh, finally, he said, look, I saw what you did at Excellence and I saw what you've done here. I'd like to see what you can do from scratch with no baggage and no preconceived anything. What, what would you do? Yeah. Wow. And come to Company with a concept, and so do you start pinching yourself at that point, <laughs> right? Yes, uh, it was unbelievable, and so yeah, yeah. So I went to him with a concept, and he said, "Great, company with a business plan." And so I did that, and luckily I had written that was my fourth business plan. I'm an English major and a comm studies major, but I've had different ideas over time for businesses, and my first business plan was awful. And what I would say to anyone listening is, if an English major can write a business plan, then you can too. I think I bought some cheap book on how to write a business plan, a sort of yeah. a, you know, a, a recipe for your business, first business plan. And it was mm-hmm. terrible. It was a terrible business plan. It was rejected, of course. And then my second business plan was awful too. But my third business plan was pretty good. It just didn't find funding. And so by the time I actually needed to write a business plan for this individual, I knew how. And this is a guy who has seen a million business plans. And he looks up and he says, this is the most honest business plan I've seen in 15 years. Wow. And I'm thinking that there are much smarter people writing the other business plans than me, probably MBAs. And if he's looking at them, they're MBAs. Right. And so, or better. Yeah. So he looked at everything. Then he had other responsibilities with his company come up. And I'm not at all surprised that he needed to reprioritize. And... um I think he felt very badly about it, but I don't. I saw him. I hugged him last time and just thanked him for giving me the confidence as well as the vote of confidence to yeah. to try something and, and think this through. But in the midst of all that, of course, I was disappointed. And I called two guys. One was one was Jeff Swart. I had to cry on their shoulders. So I called two friends, two <laughs> yeah. mentors, two friends to cry on their shoulders that, hey, my dream's not going to come to pass. And Jeff Swart tried to tell me a joke to cheer me up. And then completely independent, it didn't work. And then independently, Alex Pilevsky uh, tried to tell me a joke and it didn't work. And the next morning, Alex sent me a text and said, hey, I think I can find you the money. Call me this afternoon. Cool. So I called him and he said, look, he'd been a sounding board. Both of them had been sounding boards all the way through the concept stage of triple zero. And this is even before it really had a name. And Alex said, I want to see you do this. 
Alex basically helped put this together to make it a reality. And he's been wonderful to work with, a great partner in this. Alex (laughs) stepped in, and shortly thereafter, we formed an LLC and formed a company, and we flew to Germany and got to work. We Uh rolled up our sleeves for a week in the archive (laughs) together. How fun, how fun. You know, those archives are cool. I got to spend a day in the archives at the Ferrari factory, and oh my gosh, I mean, looking at notes that Nicky Lauder wrote, you know, about... The car oh. he drove or Villeneuve, the T4, or I mean, the mechanics and then going all the way back to the 60s and 50s. It, it's a magical stuff. Holding the, the notebook of Giesland K's, you know, for Ferdinand <laughs> Porsche, holding yeah. this in your hand yeah. and seeing that, you know, Ferry didn't feel well and didn't attend this wedding or something. Now, these are things right. that, you know, these are things that are deeply personal. Uh, these, these were incredible things. So, right. so I would say the aha moment in all this, part of it was... When when this man said, I'll be your bang, and then followed it up with, I've seen what you've done. I'd like to see what you can do with a clean slate, yeah, yeah. and I'll fund it. That was an aha moment, but the one that pushed me over the edge to actually take the leap and do this was Lyftka Colt. Mm-hmm. I went to a party to announce Lyftka Colt 3, and here's this crazy guy, Patrick Long, who <laughs> I've gotten to know over the years. Yeah. Crazy smart guy, Patrick mm-hmm. Long. Yeah. And laser-focused guy, Patrick Long, and factory driver, Patrick Long, but also just good guy. I've been on the road with him, and I've seen him be the first to clean wheels on a car for a photo shoot. I've worked with photographers who won't deign to clean a wheel, and here's the factory driver, first one to start cleaning wheels. And I go to this party, and he and Howie Idelson, they do this whole party at this really deus ex machina. I don't know if you've been there. It's a motorcycle hot rod shop. It's sort of our group for motorcycles. Right incredibly artistic space, coffee shop, clothing, all kinds of things, and these beautiful hot rod motorcycles. And I'm not a motorcycle guy, but... You appreciate it. (laughs) Well, when it's good, it always translates, right? It doesn't matter if it's a Honda Civic, a 64 Impala, Porsche, a Harley... A lot of those things aren't my thing, right? But when it's really well done, it's it translates. You like it. Been working to get him on this show. He's promised to be on the show, and I'll eventually get him on the show. But yeah, great facility. It's beautiful. Great facility there. So as I'm there, they hold this whole party, and the buzz and the creativity in the room is unlike any Porsche event I'd ever been to. Nothing else was like it, and it made me think, well. What can I do? What can I bring to this level of creativity? Can I do I even belong in here? This is incredible. And they hold this whole party just to announce the date. They don't even say where it's going to happen. They just sort of I loved it. They sort of every other organization I've ever seen, you know, puts everything out front and these guys say, "Well, it's going to be this date somewhere around LA, just be around." Right. And I loved that, but I also loved the 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 creativity in that room. Alicia Moore, the singer known as Pink, she just steps up to the mic and does a duet uh, randomly. <laughs> yeah. And and I asked later, was that random? And yeah, it was random. And in that moment, I thought, artist, not pop star, artist. My side hobby is sound mixing, live sound mixing. Okay. And I've seen a lot of artists. And she was an artist that night, no question. No question about it. You can tell the difference. And so I was so inspired by that space. And for me, that was the moment that I had to, I had to make the leap. Yeah, wow. My wife had already said, I don't want you to be 72 and look back and wish you tried this at 42. If it doesn't work, we'll be okay. If it doesn't work, our right. marriage is fine. Yeah. Go, run. She said, run. But I was still thinking as dad, mortgage, <laughs> child, all yep. these things. And so that night at Luft was, was the place where I said, I, I have the permission from the one who matters yeah. in this and for the risk. And 
now that comes the inspiration. Now comes the aha moment of, I think there could be a market for something that's, that's this creative. I think there could be a market for something at this level. You know, there's, you touched on so many wonderful things there that I've heard from many of my past guests, and I'm right there with you when I launched this Cars You Have Venture. It was the same thing for me, something I'd never done, way out of my comfort zone, something completely bizarre. I didn't even know what a podcast was six months before I launched this show, so I understand. And the new Luft coming up here is in May, early May, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Correct. So, yeah. I got to get down there to uh, attend that event. So. If you haven't been to one, I, I then went from the party to the to the actual uh, event. And I have to say that it really, really is an incredible event. It's unlike anything I've seen. There are thousands of people there. So Lyft Cold is Sunday, May 7th. Yeah. Uh, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's down at the Port of Los Angeles. And you can you can find them at com. Back to where we were with regards to what was it? Oh, the, the event. Yeah. When I walked into Luft 3, I was amazed by the quality of the cars, the creativity of the cars. This is not your typical Concours. There are no awards. There's no lawns. Cars are on pavement. Loved that. Uh, the crowd, there's a lot of hair color there. People say that the, <laughs> the hobby is aging. There was far more hair color than not in that crowd. And I would say there were several thousand people there. Now, I've got no hair, so would I fit in okay? You fit in just fine. <laughs> okay. You, that's the ageless setup, Mark. Oh, that's, okay. That's, that's the timeless setup. You, you can't tell if someone's 20 or 60. I'm much faster through the air, so well, yeah. It's more aerodynamic as well. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I'll make sure I put a link to this event uh, on your show notes page for those folks that want to learn a little bit more about it because it is it is really special. Even if you can't be there, there's lots of people on Facebook taking pictures. The last few years, I've watched all the pictures come in the live streaming and feeds. It's really, really wonderful. But we need to move on and talk about you. But first, let's hear a little something from the Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kid spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, FINRA SIPIC. 
Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. So let me talk a little bit about yes. proudest career moment. I would assume you've had many, you've done so many things, but is there one that really stands out for you? There have been a lot of moments. The day that a Carrera GT arrived for a week because of Bob Carlson, that was a car that didn't exist as a press car, or or the day that I picked up the CTR001 roof seat, the, the yellow bird, which ended <laughs> up staying with me for two and a half months. Oh my gosh. Which is sort of surreal. The second time I met Walter Rural and he recognized my face, and the third time when he remembered my name, nice. that meant a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, he's a... He's famous to people, but he's a, a be- literally a beautiful human being. I, I like that man a great deal. Um, self-effacing, humble, despite his fame and, and achievement, and deeply human, deeply human guy. So that those are moments. But for me, I think if there's a proudest moment and maybe funniest too, it's the day we launched Triple Zero. And that's because Deb Pollock, our publicist, asked for a list of emails. And so I collected all the stacks of business cards over 20 years. And this was a lot of business cards. And I thought, oh, I'll leave that to nine o'clock tonight. And I'll be done. I'll be done by midnight. I'll have her list for her. And, and then I'll, you know, be, I'll just go to bed. And tomorrow we launch. And at four in the morning, I was still, still typing in. typing emails. Still typing in emails for this list. And I think I went home at six something. And I just slept through the launch. I turned my phone on to airplane mode, Mark. Yeah. And, but I'll tell you, while I, about four in the morning, I started getting really scared. You know, in any business venture, in anything that you try new, I'm sure you went through this as you were going through Cars Yeah, and also in your history at Grios, um, and probably before that. I think we all can identify with this, but you, you choose to do something. And maybe you're 70%, 80%, whatever your confidence level is, that's a variable. And I'd say four or five times this summer. I believed in this concept but of triple zero, but you know, the price point was, was wild. I, I knew that that's what it needed to be from a lot of business modeling mm-hmm. and some very tight focus groups. I believed that it was viable, but it was risky. It was yeah. out there. And so at different times, I was worried. But that night at four in the morning while I was still typing in, emails. And I knew that the press release would go live the next day. I knew that our first cover was going to go across Times Square. That was Deb's doing. She's wonderful. This quiet fear set in, Mark. At four in the morning, this quiet fear yeah, set in. it does. And the quiet fear was, it could be crickets tomorrow. Yeah. It could be crickets. Who dares to ask for $250 for a magazine? It could be crickets. I'd had people tell me in our focus group, you know, that's about what I pay for a tire. That's about one front tire for my 911. That's about what I pay for a nice dinner out with my wife. And you're going to deliver something really beautiful to me? It's not so much, actually. When you think of it that way, you know, that's – and and I, I'm sorry for interrupting here, but I think that's an important point because some listeners now might be going, $250 for a magazine subscription? Goodbye. And no, if you think of that money and what you get, and I'll tell you again, I raved at the beginning of this talk, you get a book basically is what you get four times a year. That's the way I look at this. And when you really think about the quality of the content is even more important, and that's what 
really, I appreciate not only the beautiful look and design of the piece, the photography. You've mentioned so many people have been guests. Deb, Jeff, Patrick, they've all been guests of mine here on Cars. Yeah, all awesome people. So uh, I'll let you continue, but I, I wanted to jump in there because that's an important point is thinking about what you get for what you pay because we go out and spend money these days and you just go, oh, there's $100 gone. There's $200 gone. So, you know, the panorama model is perfect for panorama and for PCA. It works really well. You know, there's a lot of advertising there and really the advertisers pay the freight on that magazine. That's how it is with most magazines. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I noticed the reader surveys 60, I'm sorry, much higher, 85 to 90% of excellence readers were keeping their issues for future reference. They, They couldn't throw them away. But I thought about that for a while. I thought, well, I'm asking people to put 60% advertising on their shelf and, and store that. And so are there a smaller group of people, not such a large circulation, but who are who really want purity and really want something where it's high editorial content? And then you mentioned something about the kind of stories. Good content isn't cheap. No. And so <laughs> yeah, go to Stuttgart and spend a week in the galleys looking through history and coming up with stories. That takes a lot of work. Right now, we lose money on every copy we sell, and that's part of the business model, and that's part of any good business model. There's a period. It's a dream if you can make money right out of the box, but generally speaking, you have to. You, you, if you're gonna, if you're taking the long view, you know you have to earn credibility, and you right. have to earn your readership, earn your earn, earn your clients, your mm-hmm. customers, and so. You know, this thing costs a lot to produce just to print it, but also the content we're spending spending bigger because I, I, I want to get good content and I don't want to lose our storytellers. So the quiet fear set in. We'll get back to the quiet fear. So 4 a.m., the quiet fear sets in. I think <laughs> it, it could be crickets tomorrow. It could be crickets. Who asks for this much money for a car magazine? And oh, no, it could be crickets. Well, it's all too late now. It's sort of like when you send out the wedding invitations. Yeah. It's, that's, you better that's show deal, up. You know? <laughs> yeah, you can't, you, can't, you can't elope then. So it's... Uh, I slept through the launch. I turned off. I turned airplane mode on, and I slept right through the seven seven a.m. Uh, you know launch. Yeah. And uh, I woke up kind of in a stupor with maybe an hour and a half, three hours of sleep, something like this, and turned on my turned off airplane mode. And there's about ten de- messages from Deb and an email and like, where, where are, are you? you? <laughs> what what's going on? And I need you to approve this email text that I wrote and and uh, the final text. And so I'm oh no, so I'm trying to do that on my in my bed like on my iPhone trying to work through it. And then she calls and the phone just you know that deal when you're oh, typing yeah. and then your phone just takes yep. over and it's someone's call. And I think oh she's gonna be mad. Do I answer? Mm-hmm. So I answered and she says. Where have you been? All right, I'm just going to read this to you. And, and so she reads, I said, approved. I'm kind of still in a stupor. So I stumble into the bathroom and we're coming into the proudest moment here. Not the bathroom necessarily, but the, <laughs> I stumble into the bathroom and, and, um, my phone starts kind of blowing up a little bit and I, I just put it down and I take a shower and I'm, I'm getting ready to shave and I've got shaving cream all over my face and looking down my phone and every red badge for internet messenger, you know, Facebook messenger, LinkedIn, texts, emails, phone yeah. call. It's just blowing up. Yeah. And I think I stood in the bathroom for about an hour and a half with shaving cream all over my face. <laughs> because I, <laughs> Well, trying to deal with my yeah. phone. I just yeah. sort of couldn't believe what was going on. And so by the time I was finally ready, I think it was 9.30 or 10, I just called Rebecca and said, let's go get brunch. And so we went and got brunch. And by the time we left brunch, her phone is set up with the business. She can run the business from her phone. This is a family business. And each time a subscriber was subscribing, her phone would... And normally we would be polite and mute that. But I have to admit, it was really pleasurable during brunch to keep hearing the phones going... And it was over and over. 
So we left brunch, and by the time we left brunch, we had sold one-sixth of our first-year projection. And by the time we left dinner that night with our daughter, it was one-fifth of the first-year projection. Three days later, it was – I think it was a a quarter, and then within one week, it was a third of the first-year projection. This, for me, was shocking but also hugely validating right. of the business model of the of the love that people had put into this yeah. Alex Olevsky, Jeff Swart, Justin Page, many many others and of the the vote of confidence Rebecca put in on this. Thank you for taking us on that very insider story of a business launch because uh I felt like uh and most of our listeners probably did too that we were right there with you with the shaving cream on our face looking at our phones going is this really happening so Well, Pete, I'm having so much fun, and we've got a lot more to talk about. So here's what I'm going to do. I'd like to turn this into two shows. So we're going to end here, and then tomorrow morning, we'll have the second half of my talk with Pete Stout, learning more about Triple Zero Magazine, Porsche Cars, and all the fun things that Pete's been involved with. So tune in tomorrow. And before we go here, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about Triple Zero Magazine and you, Pete. Our website's the best way. It's 000, the three numerals, magazine.com. So 000, magazine, the word, dot com. No, no breaks or anything other than the dot before com. The other way is you can just Google 000 space magazine and, um, and maybe you throw my name on it, Pete Stout, and you'll end up with links to our original press release. Uh, you can probably find some some threads on it on renlist.com, which is another great resource for Porsche people. So you can find us. We're out there. Absolutely. And an easier way, just go to Carja website, carja.com, type Pete in the search bar. You can uh, listen to a show there again if you'd like, and you can just click on the links there to triple zero. Hey, Pete, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your incredible experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again. I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!